Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms. Surgicality. We need more surgicality in the drop-back pass game. I'm not sure surgicality is a word. Uh, no. There is a chance that we, we do have another Chris Sims accidental scholar. Surgicality. Simsisms. It's a Tuesday edition of PFT Live. I don't know if we ever resolved whether or not surgicality is a word. I don't think it is. It's not a word. It is now. Sorry, Chris. It is Sorry, Chris. Now. You win some, you lose some. Uh, Hi. Good, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Michael. How are you? Uh, you yeah, I don't know. It's another one, though. It, you know, I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to let, you know, the norms of society chain me down and restrain me from things that kind of just roll off the tongue and make sense. I mean, surgicality. You knew what it meant. It made, you, you knew where I was going with it. It actually makes sense when you think about it. <laughs> Have you ever allowed the norms of society to alter your behavior in any way whatsoever, whether it's the words that come out of your mouth or the actions that emanate from your being? Probably, I don't think that that you're right. is a thing for you. No, you're right. It's not really a thing for me, unless it comes to like embarrassing loved ones or like being a little ridiculous or something like that. But you're right. For the most part, I don't really give a damn what society thinks. Thank you. <laughs> it all traces back to four-year-old Christopher Sims kicking little pieces of wood into the swimming pool while Peter <laughs> King was trying to talk to Phil Sims and, and five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 17, 18 year old Christopher Sims peeing off the porch and staining the grass. And finally, I was out of that habit by 18 handiwork by 18. I got rid of it. Yeah. As far as you can remember. Uh, So uh, anyway, uh, plenty to get to on this Tuesday morning. Hello to the audience enjoying the program or not enjoying the program. Who knows on Peacock Sirius XM 85, our good friends who see it on tape delay on Sky Sports NFL. And look, folks, again, I I love all of you. 
I have no control over whether it's on at 5 o'clock local time, 7 o'clock local time, 9 o'clock local time, or whether they just don't play it on a given day. In the offseason, they're less diligent about playing it at the same time because I don't think the folks who handle the programming for Sky recognize that there's as much interest in the NFL, if not more, in the offseason than there is during the season. Because at least during the season, you have the regular supply of the bright, shiny objects. The games are happening. Yes, in the right. offseason, the news programs, the talk programs, that's the only place where you get your fix. So so please, our, our, our colleagues at Sky, pick a time, leave it there, because these people are driving me crazy. Please. Please, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever it is, and play it every day because they need their fix. Thank you in advance. Yeah, way to go. But I, I, you're, you're probably right. I, I don't know, you know, the, the, the offseason right now, I don't know if we've had one like this really in quite some time. And it is. It's action every day right now. You know, I get even a few people where you know, they're, they're casual, just watch the games on Sundays type of fans where they're like, hey, what are you talking about this time of the year? And I go, really? I go, you know, I just start rattling things off, and they go, oh, I guess you're right. That NFL, it's a machine. But I don't know if the rest of the world or the people that really don't follow football on a daily basis realize how unbelievable the NFL is at staying in the news for 10 and a half, 11 months out of the year. I don't know. There's no other sport in our world that has mastered the calendar like the NFL. That's for sure. And that's where I feel like they're a little different maybe than most sports. And maybe that's why over the pond they don't, they don't quite understand that either. And there have been some off-seasons where there will be a crazy story that generates a ton of interest for a couple of days, and it's through the roof. Yeah. This year it's been just one after another – not seismic, not Peyton Manning to the Broncos and Tim Tebow thrown overboard on the same day. Not that, because that was our biggest day ever in March of 2012. Was that right? That was the when, biggest day ever. Yeah, the Manning-Tebow the Manning -Tebow yeah. double whammy was the biggest day ever. But, but, it's like every day there's something. And I know when we get ready to start the season, the very prudent advice from our producers when we're crafting the season opening show hey you've got people who are coming back to football who really haven't been paying attention and anybody who hasn't been paying attention if they all of a sudden decide in september i know to get right? reacquainted with football <laughs> yeah, right. they're gonna be shocked <laughs> i mean are. it's like yeah. it's like coming home and not having your furniture rearranged it's like coming home and having entirely new furniture new wallpaper new TV sets, new family living in the house. Like, what the hell did I just do? It's like when, when uh, almost like when Michael J. Fox goes back to the house he grew up in at the end of Back to the Future and everything's different. It's like, that's what it's like if you aren't paying any attention in the offseason and then all of a sudden you re-engage. It's crazy. When you think about it, everything that's happened, it's like one a day, like somebody planned this. And and I'm I'm starting to wonder, like, what crazy things should we – project next how about kyler murray to the falcons today you know how i mean like what what what's next like what what thing can happen that would seem crazy in advance but when you line it up with everything else that's happened for the last couple of weeks we'd say well that i can't be shocked by that one either no yeah you're right you can't be shocked and, and, and what what's odd enough is like we kind of see the news coming down you know down the pipeline a little bit where you're like 
Well, wait. Deshaun said no to Atlanta. Matt Ryan's not. Oh, wait. So there's going to be some Matt Ryan news here in the next day or two or something in the next week, whatever it is. You know, now we're on Baker Watch. We've moved to, we're going to talk about everything that happened yesterday, but then we're going to be on discussing what's going to happen with Baker here the next few days. And then that's going to happen at some point. And then we're going to talk about that. I mean, it's just, it is amazing. It really is. And you're right. It's not maybe like the huge, huge story, uh, you know, Hall of Fame, great of the great kind of guy like, like Peyton Manning, but man, it's still, it's, it's some major players in our sport, that's for sure, to where it's not like we're talking about, oh, this is just some good role player that changed teams. We're talking about stars, seismic shifts that are changing the landscape and the competitive landscape of the league. It started two weeks ago today, only two weeks ago. It's it feels amazing. like a lifetime when it Aaron Rodgers decided he was going to stay in Green Bay. And then within two hours after that, we heard of the Russell Wilson trade to Denver. And it really has been every day something significant culminating in yesterday's news. And it may not be over, but as of yesterday, Matt Ryan traded by the Falcons to the Colts. And we, we nailed it yesterday. We knew it was coming in part because we're plugged into the matrix on air, off air. And w- when... When they delayed the roster bonus, and I don't want to pick on Shefty here, but his tweet was worded like the Falcons did this on their own, like there's not another side to this. And I thought, boy, that's odd because Matt Ryan had to agree to it, and that's what got me thinking. So I guess I owe Shefty a thanks for getting me thinking, well, wait a minute. Why is Matt Ryan agreeing to this? He doesn't have to. Why would he? What's, what's his benefit of delaying this by four days? What, what does he gain from it? And I speculated at the time, maybe he said, hey, even if you don't get Deshaun Watson, I want out. And what happened? They didn't get Deshaun Watson, and he's out. Chris, and it was just 11 days ago that NFL media reported it as a done deal that he had restructured his contract to create $12 million in cap space and make it impossible to trade him this year because it would have been a $55 million cap charge pre-June 1. So they were together until Deshaun Watson, as you said last week, reaches out to the Falcons and say, I want you to come to the table with these other three teams. That blows up the relationship between the Falcons and Matt Ryan. When the Falcons say, hmm, wait, okay, we'll do it. That's it. That ended it. They crossed the Rubicon. It was over. And yesterday, the trade to Indianapolis was just cleaning up the mess that was created last week. So, you know, I I mean, there may have been people, like, I feel sorry for anybody who just kind of pays kind of casual attention. Because yesterday afternoon, they'd have been like, what the hell is this? Matt Ryan traded to the Colts? What? But if you play, pay close attention to it, and those of you who watch the show every day are, and thank you for that, you're not surprised by it. Yeah. We saw it coming. No, yeah, I mean, we did. You really saw it coming. You called it more, more than I did. You know, I, I still wondered whether he'd actually force their hand or try to make them trade. You know, I brought that up yesterday. Man, he's, you know, he didn't try to do it last year. I brought that up. Hey, they had interest in Trey Lance at pick number four. There was a lot of rumors out there. I think it was real. A lot of people would tell you. I think the owner was kind of smitten with Trey Lance. So I thought, oh, maybe, you know, he understands the business and he won't do it. I had heard through the grapevine that he wasn't necessarily like pissed off, sorry, London, and didn't, you know, understand the magnitude of the situation and all that. Uh, Here's the thing I question a little bit, Mike. I do, you know, I'm sure Matt Ryan wasn't happy. And, you know, I don't know that for sure. I'm sure he'll be grateful for his time in Atlanta. And Atlanta's grateful that they had him. And he's certainly in the conversation for the greatest Falcons player in the history of their franchise. But 
I, I, I also, you know, gotten pieces of information too that kind of lead me to believe a little bit where this this Deshaun Watson thing might have kicked the can, or not, I don't want to say kicked the can, you got the ball rolling a little bit, and Atlanta kind of going, wait, what are we doing? And are we really going to be anything competitive or a team that we think can really make a run this year? And that's kind of the sense I've gotten a little bit through the grapevine of the league, too, that it kind of jump-started the, you know what, let's rip the Band-Aid off this year. Calvin Ridley's gone. We just lost Russell Gage. We got a lot of rebuilding to do on both sides of the ball. And I, I've gotten the sense from some people in the league, too, that the, the Atlanta Falcons were kind of like, let's just start a new era here. And, yeah, we're going to take our lump now with Matt's, Matt Ryan's salary cap hit, but let's start something new and see if we can't start building this now. And, I, and, and I'm getting the sense that that's kind of the, the thought they had in that organization. And it just shows you how quickly your strategy can change. Right? It's crazy. How quickly your fate can pivot. One week ago today – they were finalizing the paperwork that would have made a Matt Ryan trade impossible. Then Deshaun Watson says, hey, Falcons, I'd kind of like you to come talk to me about me possibly playing for you. And that's what's so stunning, Chris. If they're going uh, Cleveland Browns 2015-16 time frame or, or Miami Dolphins 2019, hey, here's $100,000 for each loss. It hasn't gotten there yet for the Falcons, but that's the same path. Taking your lumps now and building it up later – they were thinking a week ago that they're going to have Deshaun Watson and they're going to contend every year. It's just amazing how quickly it can turn. And it's turned. Because yeah. that's the big takeaway for me. Look, Matt Ryan gets to go to a place where the team is better. Yes. Everything's better. Definitely. Although the competition slightly, slightly, slightly stiffer in the AFC than the NFC. But he's on a better team. The Falcons are left with Marcus Mariota, who... I mean, can he stay healthy, right? The last thing I remember seeing from Marcus Mariota is week one, Monday Night Football against the Ravens. He takes off on a nice run. He hurts himself. Yeah, pulls his hamstring I don't know, or whatever. We, we, may yeah. have seen him lay, we may have seen him on a cameo later in the year, but that yeah. was it. Yeah. Now, remember he had that game against the Chargers when Derek Carr had the groin injury. It was a, a primetime game in 2020. He came in and had a good game, but you yeah. just can't count on him to stay healthy. He's got the five-year relationship with Arthur Smith from their time together in Tennessee, right. but right. – Surely he's not the end. He's the beginning. They got to be thinking something. And I don't know if they're thinking about maybe drafting someone or if they've got something else up their sleeve. But Marcus Mariota can't be. And maybe he is. Maybe it is. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're just gonna they're just gonna mail it in or phone it in or whatever the right saying is. I never get that right, or I never feel confident about mail it in or phone it in. I think both work. Yeah. But maybe they're they are the same pizzas. Maybe they're just going to say, what the hell? What the hell? And it's weird that this is the year, this is the year to say, let's go get it because the, the NFC. NFC is weak yeah, right, right now. Right. This yeah. is a weird year. It is a weird year. If you're in the year. AFC and you're the Falcons, you say, yeah, forget, forget this. Let's just uh, let's go sell our $2 hot dogs and call it a day. But I'm kind of surprised that, that they'd pivot so quickly to, wow, we may be something with Deshaun Watson to, eh, uh, it'll be 2023 before you know it. Yeah, no, I know. And, you know, I, I think they thought that if they got to Sean Watson, they were going to have to take some lumps for a year or two as well. I, I do think that. But, uh, Mike, Mike it, it is it is fascinating. It is. And, and I do think Atlanta with the Marcus Mariota move, that's what it is. It, it's, it's, hey, let's see what happens. You know, if he plays awesome, great. Maybe we got a guy and we got a quarterback for the next four or five years. Maybe. 
But I would also think that, yes, there's a plan here, whether he's um, the quarterback just for this year and they dabble in draft options coming up here soon, or if they're just going to go, we're going to get Marcus Mariota and kind of weigh all options here throughout the next year. And then we'll figure out next offseason whether we you know, like that quarterback draft class or if there's a, a free agent quarterback that's going to come about there that fits our team. But Atlanta you know, is a weird team. They are weird in the fact of this. They totally exceeded expectations last year. The fact that they were 7-10 and 10, to me was one of the more – Miracle things that happened in football last year. They had no business being 7-10. and 10. You, know, you really look at their team and you go, wait, what exactly was it that made them win some of these games they weren't supposed to win? We can't really name a lot of people on defense. They just lost their best player and the linebacker, Foyasad Aluakon, right? He goes to Jacksonville. So the offense... You know, they had the issues, and Calvin Ridley left, and we know that. Running back is no star there. Offensive line, solid, but nothing special. You know, so it was amazing that they went 7-10 and 10 last year. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a, a knock in the head for Atlanta Falcons fans this year because I think this is a scenario where you're going, we're going to try to take a step back to go two steps forward here in the future, and we're going to have to do this. And within doing that, yes, they're not going to be very good. they got to rebuild their team that makes sense for how they play on defense. And like we said on offense, what, who is there to talk about? There's star, Kyle Pitts, Cordaro Patterson, and that's about it. I mean, there's nothing else that you look at and you go, ooh, man, Atlanta, they got this one area on the team that you look at and go, wow, they could be something. So, you know, yes, there, there's nothing there. And they'll get Cordell Patterson. He's going, I'll play quarterback. He might as well. He plays every other position on the field. But, you know, that, that's my two cents with Atlanta, I guess, a little, Mike. I don't know if you agree with it or not, but that's kind of how I look at it. Well, and as you're explaining it, I'm going back and forth with the idea that it was smart for them to tear it down, and it was dumb for them to tear it down. I mean, they were 7-10 and 10 last year. They were 7-8 and eight going into the final two games. Right. The thing about Atlanta last year, if they would win, it would be close. If they would lose, it would typically be dominated. Not yes, be close. Right. Yeah, right. But but I think the key is something we haven't mentioned yet. I think what caused them to reassess their situation was the decision of Tom Brady to come back to the Buccaneers. I think that's what changed the analysis. Could get because that. you know if Brady's gone and. We didn't know what the Bucks were going to do at quarterback, but Brady's gone. Sean Payton's gone. Drew Brees is gone. The Panthers are a mess right now. They can't get anybody to go play quarterback for them. And so, hey, we got Matt Ryan. We were 7-10 and 10 last year. We kind of hold it together. Maybe we can make it interesting. Then Brady comes back. It's like, oh, well, screw right. that. Well, hey, we can get to Sean Watson. Then Calvin Ridley goes, them. right? I mean, that right. happens. Well, Ridley, was bef- Ridley happened before Brady, but I oh, think Brady right. coming back right. was the thing that caused them – when they had the deal in place, it was reported, like I said, as fact that they'd restructured the Matt Ryan deal to keep him around and reduce his cap number by, by $12 million from 48.66. It, would, it was the highest cap charge ever until he was traded yesterday, and the dead money left behind of $40.525 million was the highest dead money charge a team has ever taken for one player. But I think the pivot... And it gets fueled by many things, but I think the Tom Brady return was one of the big factors because this is a team that was not uncompetitive, although, yeah, I'm looking at their net points. Minus 
146 points to go seven and ten and to be outscored. You, you by said it right. They kind of beat stunning. the teams that were even to them, and they got their asses whooped against the team that were better. I mean, that, that's why it's it, it's it's weird. You know, you're you're right. But go ahead, Mike. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I just I but the, the I idea you. is we assume we assume these teams have very meticulous, careful, deliberate planning. And maybe they do, but it can change in the blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. And I don't think I've seen a strategic shift for any team happen as organically, unexpectedly, and swiftly as the Falcons in the past week. I guess that's my overriding point here. The thing was moving in one direction, moving in one direction, then they get the call about Deshaun Watson, and they're like, well, you know what? I know we're suddenly at we're suddenly at a fork right in the road right uh, fork it let's go and uh, they you know they they shoot their shot with Watson knowing knowing that the aftermath even if they don't get to Sean Watson and I'd love to know when the light went that, off that's last me week too. for the that's Falcons. the real thing that's if where we I'm, don't get yes. to Sean Watson right. we're done with Matt Ryan right I think they went into it hey Matt's mature. Matt understands we're not going to have a Baker Mayfield problem I, here where he gets right. his nose out of joint. Right. He understands what we're trying to do. Right. We'll be fine with Matt Ryan because, Chris, they would have traded him last Thursday. They wouldn't have asked for four more days if they were done with Matt Ryan. Agreed. They do the deal then. That, that's why I brought this up. I, I, the, to me, that's the sense I've gotten here from some people in the league. that, that this is, I don't know exactly how it went down, but the Watson thing – you know, started the conversation in that building to wait. Maybe we should just move to the next phase, whether that's Deshaun Watson or we don't get him. We rip the Band-Aid off, take our lumps, yeah, dead cat money, and do that. And that's where I'm. I am intrigued by this. Yes, Mike, uh, like you're saying here. I don't know. That is the million-dollar question. When did the light go on to go? Okay, we didn't get Watson or or whatever. However, that played out, and to go. Okay, well. You know what? It's time to move on from Matt Ryan here too, and let's start you know a new era here in Atlanta. I, I'm with you there. That's what I'm I'm fascinated by. I would love to know. Um, they brought back Cordell Patterson through it all. That's what's weird. It's this mixed bag. Like, why do you need Cordell Patterson if you're gonna phone it in slash mail it in this year? I mean, maybe you need somebody that the fan base gets excited about, or somebody that the fantasy football crowd cares about. Although, if they don't have very good quarterback play. Cordero Patterson isn't going to have quite the impact that he had last year because he becomes the guy, the only guy that you're really worried about on offense. Yeah, him and Pitts. Unless unless Mariota stays healthy. I mean, I'm going into this assuming that he's not going to play all 17 games. Not not because of skill, but because at some point he's going to get banged up and he's not going to be able to keep going. So they, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know who else they end up getting. Whether there's a veteran out there that they add, or whether they target somebody in the draft. But I feel like they still have work to do, and I I feel like they still have a chance to be competitive this year, even if they are deliberately choosing to take their lumps now, post Matt Ryan. And that's always the reality. When you separate from a franchise quarterback, yeah. there's going to be a reckoning in the form of a gigantic cap number because you've been kicking the can in the final years of the relationship into a future cap year when you rip the Band-Aid off with a pre-June 1 transaction. See, last year, Drew Brees waited until after June 1 to officially retire. The team waited until after June 1 to put him on the reserve retired list, so they were able to spread the cap charge over two years. For the Falcons, they're taking it all right now. $40.525 million right now. That leaves them 160 
eight million, I think, to yeah. work with for their for their team. Right. But but that that's the reality. After fourteen years, that's where you are. And after fourteen years, here's where the Falcons are. I still think that Matt Ryan was pissed. Well, I'm sure I he wasn't happy. That, right. That, but 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 we've heard enough over the years that the and. I don't, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with it. I think Tom Brady's like this. Matt Ryan's like this. You're wired to act a certain way publicly, and then you react to other things privately. And you're not going to go out there and say, I'm really pissed about that thing that that guy said about me, or I'm really pissed that I wasn't in the top ten on that on that uh, former quarterback's uh, list that he does every year. He's not going to come out and say it, but you may hear – through the grapevine that he wasn't happy. And you think, why does he give a crap? But they all do. Yeah. They all do. We're all human. Right. We're all human. We all care about that stuff. And I think at some level he had to care about the idea that he comes in to Atlanta at a time when the franchise is reeling post Mike Vick dogfighting, post Bobby Petrino quitting with games left in the season. The franchise is in shambles. Ryan comes in, turns it around immediately went to the playoffs his rookie year. Gets him to a Super Bowl, up 28-3, wins an MVP award, keeps them relevant year in and year out, and then suffers through multiple years of crap in the past few seasons and never says, I'd like to, hey, you know no. what? He never does the Aaron Rodgers, hey, no. hey, you know. Now, now, of course, Aaron Rodgers didn't do that until they drafted Jordan Love, and I think what happened last week, the dalliance with Deshaun Watson was basically the same thing. It was the same cold splash of water that Aaron Rodgers got two years ago, and that's what made Matt Ryan say, get me the hell out of here. I really do think that that's what happened. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I, I feel like this is a little bit on, like, both sides, where Atlanta probably looked at it, well, you know what, maybe it's time. You know, the fact that they're willing to take the $40 million hit right now, right on the chin, not spreading it out for two years, I think that's another little inkling we can look at to go, no, see, they're looking to the future. They want to have next off season to be able to max spend and really make a move. I'm Good sneeze. Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you very much. Hey, well uh, done. Excuse me, everybody. But yes, I, I, that that to me would be another inkling to say, all right, that was Atlanta's mindset. I'm with you. I think on everything Matt Ryan said. Or you said about Matt Ryan. You know, again, last year we we didn't hear anything about him being angered about talk about drafting a quarterback at number four. You know, this year, do I think he threw like a Baker Mayfield style fit or anything like that when he heard about Watson? No. Did it piss him off a little bit and he go, what? Yes. I mean, you put yourself in his shoes and you just go at a base level and think about it. And you, you explained it perfectly. Wait, I came here, kind of saved the organization, have been a stand-up guy, you know, on and off the field, done a lot of great stuff within the community. And you're going to bring this guy in who's got a very questionable, you know, recent history here. That's the guy I'm going to get replaced by. I can see you feeling a little extra disrespected by that. I can, definitely. I think you map those two, t- those two things together with Atlanta's side of the story, that side of the story. And, you know, I, I, and then I also got to think that some of the current events are, are part of this too. You know, you said it, Brady coming back. Calvin Ridley, well, we don't have him for a year. We lose the best player on our defense. And he's like one of the few guys that actually fits our scheme. Like we want to play a 3-4 style defense, and he's a 3-4 style kind of middle linebacker. We well, lose him. You know, then – you know, the team you're competing with in the NFC South, they take your second-best receiver, Engage. He's gone. Uh, so I got to think the light came on there with maybe both sides to go, what? You know, and I'm one to sit here where I will disagree with you is, is I don't see any way in freaking hell that they can be as good as they were last year with the team they got this year. I don't. I don't see it. 
I just I don't see anything on the team that's tangible to jump on. Last year was almost a, a curse, the fact that they went that they played that well and got expectations up. It really is. I mean, it's a credit to Arthur Smith, how he managed games, and most importantly, to tie it all back together, it's a credit to the freaking guy that got traded yesterday, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's a baller. Yeah, he's not on the Chris Sims top 10 quarterback list, but he's right there on the fringe of it and still a really damn good football player. And the Colts got a better quarterback, period. You know, I hear people yesterday bringing up stats and talking about, oh, well, Carson Wentz went 27-7 and last year. They're going to replace him with a guy that went 20-10? and And they're just going to make it about that. And I go, what the hell do you do for a living? That you just look at a stat sheet and go, I'm going to base it off that. I'm going to base it off the numbers, but not really take into account that who the hell was on Atlanta Falcons last year? And every game was on Matt Ryan to carry the team and make magic happen. And then there's Carson Wentz, yes, who's got physical ability, but is on a team that's got everything. The top 10 defense, the best offensive line in the football, a great great running back, some good receivers. I understand not great, but, uh, I mean, the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard and Frank Wright got a guy here that's like a real pro and going to lead their team and going to be good in the locker room and going to be good on the field, and he is a step up from Carson Wentz as a quarterback. There is no doubt about that, and that's where I give the Colts a lot of credit for, for making the move. Yeah, I mean, the best argument anyone can make for Carson Wentz is in 2017, he was on track to be the NFL MVP. Well, a year before that, Matt Ryan was right, right. the NFL MVP. Yeah, good one. A year right. before that, Matt Ryan did everything he could do to allow the Falcons to win a Super Bowl up 28-3. to I still think there are some decisions he could have made in the fourth quarter, but you can't blame the collapse on him. He's very far right. down on the list. Right. All Agreed. I, all I, I, I've said from time to time that Peyton Manning would have would have maybe audibled out of one of those plays that that helped knock them out of field goal range, the the, the last fateful sack. But uh, but I digress. I still think that Ryan is really good. He's better than Wentz, and and he gives them the opposite of Wentz yes. personality wise. Right. Exactly. You know. I think that's why they didn't want Baker Mayfield. I think I agree. they didn't want Baker Mayfield unless Mayfield went in there with his wings clipped or with his with his horns removed, right, or declawed. I mean, whatever animal analogy you want to make. They wanted someone who was going to be humbled. And the only way that Mayfield would have been a cult is if he would have walked through the door recognizing you didn't win, you lost, you've been thrown out. It's done. Kind of the way Carson Wentz is slinking into Washington. Yeah. That's how they would have taken Baker Mayfield. They're not taking Baker Mayfield walking through the door like this. Like, yeah, here we go. There's a new sheriff in town. Right. No, no, no. They already they already did that with Wentz. That doesn't work. With Matt Ryan, they don't have those concerns. No, they got no. a guy who's going to be good in the locker room. They got a guy who's going to do what needs to be done. They got a guy who's going to elevate their team. What else can you ask for? I mean, the Colts were kind of groping in the dark for what's next. What's next? Wentz is gone. What's next? Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and then this Ryan thing falls into their lap for a third round pick. You get the 2016 MVP, a 14 year veteran, one of the best. He's he's number eight right now in all time passing yardage. Number eight, all time passing yardage. They get him for a third round pick. Are you kidding me? You know what? I'm glad you're bringing that up. And you you, you said all the right things. And good for the Colts and Ballard and Wright. Can continue to take your cuts until you get your quarterback. They weren't going to be shy. I'm agree with you 100% with the Baker Mayfield thing. Uh, it's something I, I even 
you know, I, I brought up, I think, a little yesterday and, and talking to a few other places. You just go, yeah, that's a dicey situation having Baker Mayfield Carson follow Carson Wentz. You know, you got to think about the political angle a little bit if you're running a football team, you know, that, because that can get you fired a little. And you mess up, and it's perceived to mess up with Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, and then you bring a guy that's uh, got, like, you know, again, a similar track record or history to Carson Wentz where we're like, we're not sure about the guy in the locker room and the play's all over the place. If it doesn't work out well, everybody's going to go, what the hell are Frank Reich and Chris Ballard doing? Now they take a chance on that guy? We saw what happened in Cleveland. It's just like Carson Wentz. What did they think was going to happen there? That, to me, is where it was dangerous and dicey, to your point. Now, to your last point, Mike, I'm glad you went there. I, I, I still... I don't know. I mean, I know I'm stupid. Whatever. I'm blonde. I'm from New Jersey. I went to Texas. It's the trifecta of stupidness. I, I'm still surprised about the the third-round pick, too. I am. And not that I thought they were going to get a huge haul here, but I, I was surprised with the fact that you know, no money put out there, anything like that, and it still was just a third-round pick for a player that – you know, it is a game changer. There's no doubt, and and knocks them up into a different category of powerhouse in the AFC with Matt Ryan at quarterback. And that's one I I don't get. I don't get how they pulled it off for a three. I really don't. Well, and I think it's simple. The Lack Falcons of options. Had to do it by yeah. four. They had to do it by four o'clock yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Or they were stuck. Um. The and and who else was out there beating I on guess the so. door? to try to get Matt Ryan from the Colts. Who else would it have been? I mean, I don't know that – see, the Panthers are desperate for a franchise quarterback, but I don't think they're desperate for one who's going to be 37. Exactly. In it's a different situation. I, right. Yeah. And and I, even if the Falcons would have traded him to the Panthers, and there's no reason to think they would have, I think they had limited options. They had to get it done yesterday. And, uh, you know, they could have kicked the can again on that roster bonus, but Matt Ryan already did it once. I, I just think that at some level – Matt Ryan through his agents driving a, a pretty hard bargain here. Going back to last Thursday, you want four more days for your roster bonus? Fine, but I'm out of here either way. I'm out of here either way. You got to trade me by Monday at four o'clock, or or uh, or I'm not agreeing to it. So I need your word right now. I'm traded by Monday at four. See, that's the thing. They may have written that check while they thought they were going to get Deshaun Watson. Right. They're the biggest losers in this Deshaun Watson thing because they didn't get him and everything. Everything that would have gone with getting him still happened. Right. It's not like right. the Browns, where they get him and they know they're done with Baker Mayfield. You know, they would have the Browns would have been the big losers if they didn't get Deshaun Watson because it was falling apart with Mayfield if they got him or not. For the Ravens or for the Ravens. For the Falcons, it fell apart with Ryan, even though they didn't get Watson. What, what a is. mess. And and, and, and and with the Colts. Now here's let's let's look at the Colts. We yeah. showed the odds there. Yeah. The, their odds improved, but still they're in the AFC. Yeah. Like, how much better does this really make them relative to – and I was listing the teams yesterday. 13 contenders out of 16 teams now in the AFC. The only teams that need not apply are the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Jets. I feel bad for those three teams because the other 13 are all contenders. And by getting Matt Ryan, the Colts move themselves into that category. But – it's not going to be easy. They got the Titans in their own division. No. They got all these other great teams. The AFC West top to bottom. The AFC North top to bottom. Because I'm not going to write off the Steelers even with Mitch Trubisky because they're the Steelers, folks. Sure. You got three teams in the AFC East. Good luck getting a spot in the playoffs in the AFC this year. No, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's no question. 
Now, the one thing I think you can look at a little bit with maybe the AFC that I would question and where I'd go to the Colts and go, yeah, they got a chance, is the fact that I do think the Colts are, you know, what I look at as one of the few teams that's really a complete, has a chance to be a complete team in the AFC. You know, the AFC to me has got a lot of like, yeah, we got the quarterbacks, we got this one great unit. That's really awesome. You got to stop Joe Burrow and our weapons, or Mahomes and our weapons. The rest of our team is good, not great, but we put you so much pressure on you with Josh Allen and the weapons, Mahomes and the weapons, Burrow and the weapons. Where the the Colts are going to go? No, we're going to run the ball, and we got a quarterback, and our defense is top ten ish, and we don't need to just do it with our quarterback and the weapons. And to me, that's where you know again the AFC is deep like that. But there's not a lot of teams that jump out like that to me that have the totality of team right now. And that to me, that's where the NFC's got the advantage a little bit. I look at the the Rams, the Bucks, and the 49ers, and they go, there ain't no team like that in the AFC. There's none that you can just look at and go, they got everything except maybe the 49ers and the quarterback question. But you go offensive offense and defensive lines, you know, awesome. You know, star players at important positions. So that's where you can look at maybe a silver lining if you're a Colts fan or even on the Colts. The fact that you can go, wait, we got a real, we can play team football here and win different ways. We don't just have to have our quarterback play awesome and make magic. And, you know, if he gets a little cold or we can't pass protect, then the game falls apart. The Colts now go from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, and they're in this short-term, short-term, short-term mode. Pete has suggested to me that maybe we could blame Jim Irsay because he gets involved. I don't know that I'd blame Irsay for this. I think it's circumstance. (laughs) Andrew Luck would still be the quarterback right right now, right? They had a top-five quarterback. They had one of the best quarterbacks in football. I mean, they got thrown the biggest curveball in the sport over the last five or six years. I mean, nobody. I mean, Chris Ballard, he probably took the job going, wait, I'm going to the Colts. I don't even got to worry about quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. This is awesome. What? I'm losing my quarterback? I mean, yes, that was a, that's a huge deal. I mean, that's, that's an organizational game changer there with losing Andrew Luck. So that, to me, is what I look at as number one thing that's made life hard on them here the last few years. And instead of doing the let's go get a rookie and start over, they have been trying to tread water and 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 remain contenders. And hey, twenty twenty with Philip Rivers, yes, they went into Buffalo uh-huh. and gave the Bills Ooh. everything they could handle. Last year was a disappointment for a variety of reasons. Wentz wasn't as good as he needed to be. Wentz was injured early in the year. Uh, they they had some key losses that kept them from getting to the playoffs. Right. You boil it down to week 18, you go into a Jacksonville to take on a Jaguars team that is playing for nothing, has two wins. They have an interim coach who's got no shot. It's not like, hey, if we win this game, Daryl Bevel is going to be our coach next year. No, no, it, it, no. Yeah, and, and the Colts lose that. That was a low point. That was as low of a point for the Colts considering they get to the playoffs if they win. And they were the team that no one wanted to see in the playoffs. Right. Normally no one did see them in the playoffs. <laughs> but they're built – to be successful. You hit the nail on the head. Thank you. This is a team that is built to be successful in January. They just have to get to January. And with Matt Ryan, they're more likely to get there. Yeah. But even though there's 13 contenders in the <laughs> yeah. AFC. Yeah. No, I, I, I yes. They're going to have to play team football. Uh, they're not going to be Joe Burrow or, or Mahomes or Josh Allen, where it's going to be, you know, we're just going to rely on our quarterback to make a little magic to get us through some tough situations. 
No, they're going to they're gonna play it by the book. Matt Ryan's going to get you in right plays. Oh, wait, you're playing pass defense. Here's the run with John Taylor. Oh, here's run defense. All right, I'm going to get to one of these passes Frank Reich taught me about. And then, you know, they just got Yannick Ngakwe on the defensive side. I mean, they're so close as a football team. They really are. And, you know, to your point, Mike, you're right. I mean, one, we looked at them in week 14, you know, in that area, week 13 to go, whoa, watch out for the Colts. You know, they can do a little bit of everything. They can kind of match up with all styles of football, and they're built for, you know, they're built for the playoffs. Well, they can make a run, but then that, like you said, it was the last game of the year. You know, the week before that, to me, was just as bad, and, of course, that was the COVID misweek practice for for um, Carson Wentz, and then he did not play good against the Raiders, missed some wide-open receivers in some big moments. So you hit it right, but this is a team that, yes, I think has dabbled with these you know, older veteran guys to, to, to what you're saying. Cause they look at it and go, wait, we're, we're kind of in the window. We're ready. And they were dangerously close with Phillip rivers last year was close as well. Didn't get in. I think this is the guy now that you go, uh, they got as good a chance as ever to be in and, and really be a, a player in the AFC and make noise in the AFC playoffs. And I think at the end of the day, the AFC is going to come down to a lot of the things that no one can control injuries Bad calls, which also mean good calls for the team that benefits from the bad call. Weather, just weird factors. It's going to be something, and this is going to drive coaches crazy because jobs may ride on these things you can't control. But when you have that many teams that are packed together and it's time to go play games one week after another and we're going to be treated to some awesome games this year, you're going to have factors beyond the control of the coaches and the players that determine who wins some of these close games, who ultimately stacks up enough wins to get in, and who is left picking up the pieces and worrying that they're going to get the pink slips when early uh, January, it's actually now mid-January with 17 games and 18 weeks rolls around. So that, that's, that's exciting for us, but it's got to be maddening and frustrating and confounding for the people who know all this work, all this effort, all this planning, all this stuff that they're going to put in, their fate is going to be determined by something other than what they do and how they do it. Yeah, uh, and uh, you're right. It's, unfortunately, that's what it comes down to in football sometimes. It's just a little bit of the, the bounce of the ball, staying healthy. You know, yes, being a little lucky with the things like you said that you can't control and hope that works out in your favor. Uh, it's going to be close. I mean, no, in the AFC, it's with these quarterbacks. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of drama uh, this year in that conference, and it's going to be awesome. The max exodus continues. It's like the NFC has got a disease, and the star players know about it, and nobody else does. And they're like, we got to get to the AFC. This NFC has got a bad disease. It's probably called Tom Brady and the Bucks, where they're all like, oh, the hell with that. But here, isn't it, can I bring up another thing, too, a little bit? Because, you know, I'm, I, the other thing with yesterday – that you see a lot is the revisionist history, right? And now everybody want Atlanta should have drafted the quarterback last year, or done something like that. You know, again, last year the cap consequences, and it's a different year, and things are all different. It's not just apples to apples. The cap consequences were even greater last year if they got rid of Matt, Matt Ryan, right? If I remember correctly, it was going to be like above sixty million dead money last year. And the first year of your head coach's, you know, uh, debut as being the, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith. So that didn't make sense. And it sounded like, yeah, there was a little, you know, infatuation with Trey Lance. 
But then, oh, wait, the 49ers, all right, we've heard rumors. It's Mac Jones, it's Trey Lance. We're not sure exactly what. But you don't just draft a quarterback just because you go, well, we might need a quarterback. If there's not one you don't, you know, you you, you like, then you don't just go, we're going to do this just because we need it. That's the other thing, too. So uh, that's the other thing I don't understand about yesterday and everybody going, well, they got, they got all these needs. They could have filled them. Well, they had a needed tight end, and now they have arguably the, the most gifted tight end we've seen in the history of football. I, I think it worked out okay. You know, last year's circumstances were not the same as this year, and I, I didn't think that was fair to the people kind of piling on the Falcons on social media that way too. They were in a tough spot at number four last year, too. Three right. quarterbacks go exactly. in the first three picks. So what do they do? Justin Fields? But, yeah, what did they think of Justin Fields? Did they like Justin exactly. Fields? Maybe they didn't. Right. So it can't just be we need a quarterback. Let's go get the next yes. quarterback on the list. If you don't think he's going to fit what you're trying to do, you wait. And there's other ways to find quarterbacks. Ask the Colts. There are other <laughs> ways to find quarterbacks. You never know when Matt Ryan is going to fall into your laps. And the Falcons come next year. If they don't like where they are in the draft order, if they don't like the options at quarterback, they may be one of these teams that makes a play for the next veteran quarterback who ends up changing addresses unexpectedly in that rapid fire day after day. My God, I can't believe that guy's on a new team. We can't be surprised by these quarterback moves. It's become the norm. There was a quarterback move last week that we thought was just an average random backup job, but... Maybe the Dolphins have bigger plans for Teddy Bridgewater. Whatever those plans are, Teddy isn't sharing them and all that that implies. We'll talk about that when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Oh, there's Jameis Winston, Halloween last year, and that was the same day he tore his ACL. So uh, it was a stunningly fast recovery for Jameis Winston, dancing in the locker room. They had beaten the Buccaneers that day with Trevor Simeon coming in to save the day against Tom Brady. They're still 4-0 against Brady in the regular season. That's crazy. It's amazing. It is. Amazing. It is. It's amazing. And Winston will be back for another chance to try to sweep Tom Brady in the regular season. Two-year deal after... They don't get Deshaun Watson. No hard feelings there because Winston didn't really have a whole lot of other options. You know, I had heard over the weekend that his camp was kind of fishing around for $35 million a right, year. It's like, right. well, maybe, maybe after you prove yourself again. And to the Saints' credit, they get him for two years. Now, it's reported as two years, $28 million. I have a feeling this is going to be one of those when we look at it. It's not much this year. It's more next year. If they keep him, if he reestablishes himself this year, he'll get bigger money next year. But I doubt it's 14 and 14. I have a feeling it's probably closer to like five and 23 than 14 and 14, if that math is right. But uh, smart by the Saints to ensure that they get to keep him if he does indeed get it back to where it was this year. 
and they get to keep him for one year after that before they'd have to figure out what they're going to do with him financially. So, you know, look, this is a guy who's still fairly young, and he can play for a long time. That's right. And he can set himself up for a $35 million a year payday, but he's got work to do coming off of that torn ACL, and he's got other things he's still got to fix. Yeah, he does, definitely. And we know there's things about his game. You know, he seems to be on the right path, though, in all areas. Uh, Sean Payton, uh, they... Again, that place down there, they named him the starting quarterback last year. He must have shown some professionalism, the fact that they feel confident in him. The Saints are going with the guy they know rather than going with a guy that, hey, we're not sure about. It might be an upgrade. Okay, there's some things. Instead, they're just going to go with, hey, we got a guy here that knows the offense, You know, did a pretty good job last year. Was it great? No. But they probably have some confidence and feeling he can get better in some of those areas and realize, hey, they've seen this guy. He's got talent. There's potential there. They got to see him twice a year for a bunch of years in Tampa, and he made a lot of plays against the New Orleans Saints and against everybody. So they know there's probably there, you know, more there to tap into and see where it goes. But and I know yesterday, uh, I, I think I even said $14 million a year for Jameis Winston somewhere in that. I'm, I'm with you. I bet you it's probably more like a – 18 this or t- eight this year and 18 next year or something of that nature. Uh, yes, I would expect that too, Mike, but it makes sense for them. It really does. And I expect Jameis Winston, even though it's a torn ACL quarterback movements, not like the key to his game. He should be ready to go by the start of the season and be the starter for the saints. I was mildly concerned that my math didn't add up to 28 when I said 3 and 25. I guarantee you 8 and 18 is not 28. Uh, that's uh, yeah, I sorry. 10 that. and 18, 8. Okay. Yep, yep, sorry. Eight uh, and hey, 20. how about 8 and 20? 20, thank eight you. And 20. Yes, yes, Let's do 8 and go. 20. Um, and Pete put that graphic up there, and this is, this is stunning and hilarious to yes, me. Yes, they're back. They've got a former first overall pick. In Jameis Winston, a former second overall pick in Marcus Mariota the same year. Two guys who who met on the field to start their careers in 2015. A former third overall pick in Sam Darnold for now. For and now. a former 199th overall pick who, you know, everybody passed over repeatedly. from. And it's not a typo. 2000. Oh, he was born in 2000? No, he was drafted in 2000. <laughs> what in the hell is Tom Brady doing still in the National Football League? I mean, it doesn't get more glaring than that. There are guys that we have to be getting to the point. Yeah, there are guys who are in the NFL who definitely who who were born, who exited the womb after Tom Brady entered the NFL. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's unbelievable. It's, there's no other way to describe it. It is. And yeah, that's a, a good, you know, look at the quarterbacks there. But come on, we know Carolina. I'd be shocked if Sam Darnold's the starter on day one. I think that ship has sailed. I mean, they've done everything they possibly can this offseason to replace him or get a new quarterback. But who there. are they going to get? I don't Who's know. That? Who's left? I don't Nobody know. Nobody wants to go there. Somebody, somebody emailed me last night. Not anybody in the league. Just, I, you know, I interact with readers, and sometimes it's beneficial. Most of the time, it's like, why the hell do I do this? But, you know, somebody said, hey, could Matt Rule still get fired because they can't get a quarterback to go there? And it's kind of late in the game, but it was late March when Jerry Jones threw Jimmy Johnson out all those years ago. So it just, it is so, like, what do you expect? Matt Rule is clearly on the hot seat. The only offensive coordinator they could get was Ben McAdoo, which further proves how hot the seat is for Matt Rule because nobody wants to step into that job knowing that everyone's job rides on what the offensive coordinator does. Who are you going to get to voluntarily choose that team to play 
uh, quarterback. Yeah, it's you're, tough. It's, you're not, no, no one's going to be lining up to play for the Panthers this year, especially at quarterback. No, they got to get somebody that's, you know, got no moves. There, there's nothing left to be had. Baker Mayfield, there's no teams left. You, you want to come to Carolina. But, I, again, I, the Carolina, they probably have some of the – you know, same thoughts we talked about with the Colts a little bit. Wait, we just got burned from a guy in the same draft that Baker Mayfield was in. You know, we lose, you know, we get Baker Mayfield here and it doesn't do well. We're going to have, you know, extra egg on our face. People are going to go just like they're doing with Sam Darnold. Well, look, what have you did with the Jets? You guys are idiots to think it would be different. They're going to have to hear that with it. So I don't even know if they're truly or legitimately going to think, you know, about a Baker Mayfield. That to me would be... You know, something I'd be interested to know. And then, of course, there's the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. And I know we're going to talk more about him in the next segment. But, I mean, that, that is certainly a team you would think about that would make sense there. You know, But, I, again, I don't know, necessarily look at that as some huge upgrade or game changer to the Carolina Panthers either. So, uh, I, it does. It seems like they are getting limited in options. And uh, they are in a good spot to draft a quarterback, so maybe that's where their mind is a little bit at right now. They were certainly inspecting um, our guy from uh, Pitt yesterday, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, Pickett uh, pretty thoroughly there while he was doing his workout. Well, as it relates to free agency, we are definitely in the frog-kissing mode where you're taking a chance on a guy, and especially at quarterback. And the problem is the Panthers have been kissing frogs for three years now. Like, they're sick of that. They don't want to do another. And how, you can't sell that to your fan base. No. Well, let's give Teddy Bridgewater a try. Ah, nope, nope, nope. Out. Uh, let's give Sam Donald a try. Oh, well, hey, it's pretty good for three games. Oh, no. Yeah, out. right. Oh, Cam Newton. Maybe we get the old Cam Newton. Oh, no, we have the old Cam Newton. Out. So now what do you do? Can you like, do that? Would well, Baker hey, Mayfield be the same no, thing? No, do I don't agree? know that you can. Yeah, right. I, I don't agree. Know that okay. You can. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't know if you can and, either. And, you know, they had 70,000-plus show up at that stadium a couple of Saturdays ago for a soccer game. I, You're not going to have 70,000 show up if Baker Mayfield's your quarterback. You're not going to have 70,000 show up if Jimmy Garoppolo's your quarterback unless you win, like, the first six or seven games and the city gets taken by storm by this team. So, you know, I don't know. I guess you just draft somebody and, and – ho- David Tepper – is so anxious to get a franchise quarterback, it has become desperation and it's become counterproductive. That's my, that's my quick assessment. Sometimes you can just want something so badly that it causes your entire organization to be stuck in neutral. It's put them in some tough spots. Uh, the, the fact that, that you know, they were so aggressive with the Teddy Bridgewater thing, you know, handcuffed them a little bit the next year, but yet they were still aggressive in the Sam Darnold. And then you just go, whoa, I mean, how much money and resources are we going to throw out here to quarterbacks that we're not quite sure about? And, yes, I, I'm with you. I don't know if they can necessarily pull the trigger on, on Baker Mayfield either. The optics of that are going to be – it could be a harsh reality. So it, it is – it's going to be interesting to see. Carolina, you know, you said it right. There's a lot of questions about that coaching staff, period. You know, as I've always said – as a quarterback, just from purely the talent on the field, I'd go, holy crap, I'd be excited to play with some of these guys they got on offense. But as a quarterback, you look at the whole picture and you go, well, I don't know who the hell is even going to be coaching that team after this year. It's very dicey. It's 50-50. And that's why they're sitting there right now, you know, with with no quarterback and, and trying to figure it out. And and the the, the desperation just isn't, 
a great look for any team. Think about last year. They clearly wanted Deshaun Watson. They tried to lie about it after the fact. They clearly wanted Deshaun Watson. He would not give them the time of day. This year, they didn't try to hide it. They're trying to elbow their way to the front of the line to get Deshaun Watson. He's at least willing to listen this time around, but right. no. And and I think what makes it even more insulting to the Panthers is the two finalists are in their division. Yes. At least they got to the final two until the Browns swooped back in. But, you know, that the Panthers could have swooped in with something. Like, whatever the Browns, that makes it even worse for the Panthers. They get kicked to the curb. The Saints and the Falcons are the two finalists. And then while the Panthers are licking their wounds, the Browns say, screw this. We're going and getting our guy. The end of the day, the Panthers are the biggest losers of the entire Deshaun Watson fiasco because last year he ignored them. This year they... They failed to even tie their shoelaces in an effort to get him. And now they're left with what? They're left with what? They're left with nothing. And um, I, I, I just – I don't see a good ending for them. And we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to call an audible. I teased Teddy Bridgewater last segment. We'll talk about Teddy next segment. Cool. For now, let's stick with Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo. Yeah, makes sense. This fits because, in there. Because, yeah. you know, Chris, the 49ers were the losers yesterday when the Colts get Matt Ryan – because as of yesterday at this time, the Colts are maybe the most viable destination for a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And I was told over the weekend that John Lynch, the GM of the team, is telling people he's got two second-round picks in hand for Jimmy Garoppolo. And the reaction by some was, well, you better take him. You, you better. Two, yeah, but two what are you waiting picks, for? Not first. I misspoke. Okay. I misspoke. Okay. Two second-round picks. Okay. Two second-round picks. Either way, you better take those two. You but better you take them. You got two second-round picks in hand. You take them. Because you gave up one second-rounder to get him. You clearly don't need him now. Everybody knows you don't need him, and you're ready to move on from him. If you've got somebody offering you two second-round picks, unless they're in the years 2044 and 2045, you take them. <laughs> uh, yes, you take them. I mean, deal done already. What, what, what are you waiting for? I don't believe that. Sorry, I, I, I don't. You know, maybe he did at some point, but not now with the, with the way the, the carousel has gone here at the quarterback position. I would be shocked if anybody out there would offer two second-round picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. I would be absolutely shocked. I don't see that. You know, I was told that the Colts weren't even as interested, weren't all that interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, too, that there was some dabbling there, but it never got serious. So... The 49ers, it seems like they're trying to frame something positive here with Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo took some power back in this situation with his shoulder, you know. But look at, hey, did you see that interception? You know, again, I mean, this is this is one of the league leaders in dumb interceptions over the last two years. But they, they still win some of these games, like this one. I mean, they win the game, so everyone just goes, oh, wait, I forgot about those three or four dumbest plays I saw of the year from Jimmy Garoppolo. So there, oh, boom. I mean, we can play the greatest hits. It, it can beat Carson Wentz and the, all the quarterbacks that we make fun of, except he was just on the 49ers and had Shanahan. So that's where two second rounds, you, you make that deal. But I don't think that's really reality, at least not now. I mean, I'd have a hard time thinking Seattle is thinking about it. You know, the teams that we're looking at that needed quarterbacks. Carolina, you know, I, I think like – Carolina, Jimmy Garoppolo follows the mold. Mike, you, do you agree with what you just talked about? Like, wait, Teddy Bridgewater? Hey, we'll take a chance. Sam Darnold? We'll take a chance. Okay. Another frog to kiss. Right. You know, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe you could sell because some fan, the common fan that doesn't pay attention might just go, well, yeah, he won and he was on the 49ers. Maybe they, you know, that, that gets over people for a little bit. 
But the reality is, is that you know the 49ers are winning games in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of the, lot of the time. And that's where I, I don't believe the two second round picks thing at all. And the Saints go away yesterday with right. the Jameis Winston thing, right? Right. Unless it really is like bare minimum this year and $27 million next year if they choose to keep him, there is a way they could get Jimmy Garoppolo and just relegate Jameis Winston to back up. That would be a slap in the face to Jameis Winston. I'd be stunned if they jump in, no matter what the terms of that contract may be. I'd be stunned if they jump in for Jimmy G at this point, although they were mentioned at one point H- as a potential Houston, destination. Do you think Houston with Casario? You know, the fact that, that he hey, with Jimmy G. He's better than Davis Mills. Look, that's right. I said this all along. He'll take a 4-13 and 13 team and make it 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. He's not going to take it to the top of the mountain, but he'll at least pull you out of the bottom of the sewer. I think he's good enough to do that. I hear that. I hear that. You're right. I mean, I do look at him as an upgrade over Davis Mills. I do, yes. You know, Davis Mills, I know he did some good things at the end of the year. I'm still not sold that he's starting quarterback material in the NFL, um, you know, but had a good start with – Jimmy G, that's the one where if you if you ask me to go, oh, I think there might be some real interest. That would be the one I would think of. Again, you're not tied to Jimmy G for a long time. There's knowledge of him, uh, going to be able to run your system, great, and you know it gives us some time maybe too to continue to look at Davis Mills and see if there's maybe other quarterbacks here in the draft or the next year or two that might pop up in free agency that we can get to change our football team that way. If the 49ers get to the point where they're just basically giving him away, then I think maybe the Steelers revisit. I have a feeling the Steelers may have talked to them back when they were saying, well, we can get two second-round picks, and said, so we'll just go get Mitchell Trubisky for nothing. But I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes fire sale. But you know what, Chris? If it gets to that point, I think the 49ers revisit the possibility of just keeping him. There's too much ego and pride that goes into these decisions. I'm not pinning this specifically on the 49ers. I'll put this across the board. You know, sometimes when you drive too hard of a bargain and you don't get what you wanted and then you're left with far less than that, you don't want to admit to yourself that you screwed up, so you come up with some other solution. And I could see the 49ers talking themselves into keeping Jimmy G rather than suffer the embarrassment of getting nothing for him or less than what they wanted for him. Well, you know, we'll give Trey Lance another season to develop and – hey, everybody really likes Jimmy G. Let's just keep him around for one more year. I I have said for weeks that I can't rule out the possibility of that happening, and it may just be that they overplayed their hand. Now they're not going to get much for him, so they just say, screw it, we'll keep him. Uh, I I don't feel like that. I I agree with, like, your base overall thought that this is what teams do. I'd be shocked, I guess, if the 49ers did do that. I would be. Um, You've heard my reasons. And and, and specifically – you know, uh, uh, you know uh, my reasons, of course, for what they traded for Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance, like we talked about, he's got to play. He can't sit on the bench for another year and deal with that. And, and Mike, you brought up yesterday, which I think was, you know, a, a valid point when we were talking about, I think, Baker Mayfield. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, the human, the guy, is liked a lot in the locker room. And – there's a lot of respect there, and we, we continually see the 49ers team and players and everybody stick up for the guy. 
I mean, it, it went to the very end of the year, even when Jimmy G, right, was, was coming a little hurt and practicing and George Kittle was being filmed. He was going to make a point with, oh, great ball, when Jimmy Garoppolo said, you're going to say it in the camera during practice. Remember that clip? It's always sticking up for Jimmy G. To me, what the 49ers would have to be careful with, with if you wanted to make it to Trey Lance era and have Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it could divide your team. It really could. I, I don't think it would be best for the chemistry of the football team if you have your mindset on Trey Lance, let's have him be the starting quarterback, okay, I wouldn't want Jimmy Garoppolo hovering over his shoulder and, and having him you know, worry about whether he's going to be replaced after some mistakes or whether the team is you know, following him or Jimmy Garoppolo. That's where I don't think it makes a lot of sense. There are other quarterbacks on this carousel that has spun some big names into new places and one really big name, Aaron Rodgers, into the place where he started. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton's out there, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Gardner Minshew's still under contract with the Eagles, but that's a guy who could be retraded. Although, if I'm the Eagles, I kind of like keeping him around yes. as, a, as, a, as an insurance policy for a Jalen Hurts injury. But... You know, Mayfield is really the, the next one who's, right. who's ready to go. We just don't know where he's going to go. I think it's going to be Seattle at the end of the day. We talked about this yesterday. I'm agreeing with you. I also, I, I also it, to the extent we are bracing for a surprise, I am continuing. And this is more things I'd like to Pasta see than things I think will happen. And, yeah, no, right. no, 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 no. The Matt Ryan to Indy stuff, that, 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 was, that, was kind of, that wasn't even pasta and meatballs. That was just... What, what what the hell else can happen here? Right, this is the right. only thing that makes sense. Right. This is the only thing that makes sense at this point. This is just kind of a, as a fan, as someone who loves a good story, and as someone who, it's kind of, it's it would be pasta and meatballs kicking in for the people in Detroit saying, this is our guy. Baker Mayfield is our guy. Baker Mayfield is exactly what we need. Baker Mayfield has an attitude that none of our quarterbacks have had since Bobby Lane. This is the guy to help infuse this new disposition into our team let's go get him and yeah well we, we you know we got to pay Jared Goff 15 million dollars that's part of the price we paid for the two first round picks and the third round pick that we got so I I just I continue to be fascinated by what to me if I was a Lions fan I'd be screaming go get Baker Mayfield and if I was in any way connected with the Lions I would be pounding on the table we have to go get Baker Mayfield, and I really hope they do it just because I think it would be an awesome development. Yeah, uh, I hear you. He fits the mold of their team, to your point, the attitude they're trying to, to portray there. I like your Seattle thought. I do. That's the one that I look at, too, that to, to me is the one I, I guess I'd go, uh, I don't have any knowledge, but I don't know my pasta and meatballs, whatever, or my potatoes and steak, whatever, in my, my belly. Make me think that can happen. Uh, it's, your, it's, your weed yeah. Doritos. <laughs> yeah, right. My weed brownies. Uh, but either <laughs> way, like, uh, I, I, you know, th they fit that mold of Baker Mayfield, too. Uh, just a little bit of edginess. There, it's them against the world. We're going to show everybody we could do this without uh, Russell Wilson. You know, Baker Mayfield, he's, he's going to have to be humbled by this a little bit here now. He, the, 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 the thought of I'm going to go somewhere and get a new contract, that's done now. I mean, that, that's for sure done. This is now you're going to go somewhere and you're going to have to prove yourself. And you're going to get your fifth-year option. You're going to make good money. But you're going to have to prove yourself and play good football 
to get a long-term contract with somebody else and be a starting quarterback or whoever you end up signing with. And that's where I, I, I look at Seattle, and I could see that being a possibility, even though they're, they're pretty steadfast on, on claiming that they think Drew Locke is a guy that they, they can roll with. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 I have to go here. Uh, if you remember the Baker Mayfield commercial – I think it's progressive because he's sitting in the stadium and that would be the only one that he was sitting in the stadium for where he's talking to Bernie Kosar. Yeah, right. And and near the end, and I know it's scripted, but he's kind of an ass to Bernie right. Kosar, right. like kind of disrespectful, like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like I, was, when I, was three, you know I was in I diapers back you. when you played. Right. I wasn't even alive. I don't yeah. even think he was alive when Bernie Kosar played. But there was kind of that, that punky edge to him. And I say that because... He's got to be pissed off that a guy 10 years older than him who really was playing when Baker Mayfield was a kid, right? When Baker Mayfield, let's, let's do the math, 14 years ago, he was 12. He was a rookie when Baker Mayfield was 12. He's got to be pissed that the Colts made the beeline for Matt Ryan when Mayfield makes it known to the world that's the team he wants to play for. That, no He's doubt. got to be beside himself Agreed. right now. So maybe maybe the fact that the Colts traded for Matt Ryan, who's 10 years older than Baker Mayfield, is the thing that humbles Baker Mayfield. I, I would think it's a start for sure because it, it is not, you know, yeah, it's not his finest moment or finest hour as far as how that looks. Publicly putting out there, you know, they, they want to go to the Colts, yes, and the Colts go, okay, great, but we were going to go with Matt Ryan. Uh, that's not the greatest look in the world. But I think we discussed it. Uh, it's Baker Mayfield, the play. You know, you're not sure what you're going to get. Baker Mayfield, the person, not sure exactly what you're going to get. And the Colts, they just dealt with a situation like that. So they, just, they couldn't do round two of it. And then really, you know, those are the kind of things that get you fired. I mean, even if you do have a good year and you don't get in the playoffs, that's where it gets the fan base behind you and go, well, what they idiot Carson Wentz, they did that. What a bunch of idiots they are. Then they did it again with Baker Mayfield. I mean, they really are dumb. Oh, you know, they it's not just the fan base. Right. It's not the fan base. It's the guy who likes to shoot videos standing outside of his private jet. That's well, the guy they had to worry well, about. That, this that, they screwed too. this up. They're all gone. No doubt. You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because he obviously wasn't happy with the last guy that was there in Wentz anyways. I mean, from all, all accounts, it seems like he was the unhappy happiest and the reason he's not there anymore you know Carson once had to have a meeting with him just to be like hey dude why do you not like me so much so yeah they, they couldn't mess with the Baker Mayfield situation that was that would be scary and kind of like career suicide if it didn't go well um Baker Mayfield by the way was 13 when Matt Ryan started his career so so the 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 punk in Baker Mayfield was really starting to blossom back in <laughs> 2008 you know and I still think he's a lovable punk but but you know 13 years old, Matt Ryan joins the NFL. Again, all the more reasons for Baker Mayfield to say, what the F after Matt Ryan is the guy that the Colts get instead of Baker Mayfield? Let's go ahead and take a break. As promised, we'll let you hear what Teddy Bridgewater had to say yesterday regarding what the Dolphins had to say to him about what say he'll have in the starting quarterback job in Miami. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.